Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Kibarik. How are you guys? Let me center myself. Happy Sunday evening. This is your girl, your host, Sabrina Mills of the Adult Muslim Woman Podcast. And um, I'm coming back on with another live. Again, I am encouraging, promoting, speaking about our upcoming workshop here that I'm offering, which is called Trauma Bonded No More. And it should launch in about two weeks, I think, two weeks, January 23rd. It will be hosted on Sundays from 11 to 1 p.m. And it's a three-part workshop. So it will take course over, I think, the 23rd, the 30th, I forget that last Sunday date, but it is three Sundays, inshallah ta'ala. Wa alaikum salam. I hope you guys are doing well. And so I hope that you guys pull up for another live. You know, I've been talking, doing a deeper dive into the emotionally stunted individual, uh, signs of someone who's emotionally immature, as well as um, ways to navigate a relationship with someone, folks who are emotionally immature. And I have received so much feedback <laughs> As it relates to these lives and discussions, a lot of inboxes, a lot of conversations that has been built off of this sort of dilemma because a lot of people are navigating and trying to figure out how to navigate <clears throat> dealing with an emotionally, an individual who has not um, developed completely in the realm of emotions. And so we talking a lot about this and I talk about this because a lot of individuals who develop harmful personality traits, alternative personality traits and as a means of survival in intimate relationships typically are emotionally stunted. And so it's really important to unpack this. And I wanted to do some unpacking before we get into this workshop, y'all. So this particular topic, we're saying, why is cheating <clears throat> or, or is cheating pretty common when we talk about trauma-bonded relationships, when we talk about these sort of relationships, even with emotionally stunted individuals? And so I wanted to break down this idea of cheating and fidelity and the concept of a supply, a narcissistic supply. So we're going to talk a little bit about that this evening. Um, so salam alaikum and good evening, everybody. Please feel free to give your salams and say, hey, you know, I want to interact a little bit. Um, okay, so let's let's go. So when you're talking about, again, individuals who are struggling in the realm of emotions, right? All of that made it through all the stages of emotional development and just development in general as a result of perhaps early experiences, early trauma, or ineffecting, ineffective early bonding with a caregiver. So some... Sometimes <clears throat> we may experience circumstances or situations where proper or adequate bonding did not occur between a child or an infant and their caregiver. And when that tends to happen, that child has to develop survival. Assalamualaikum. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Good. Hey, Imani. Assalamualaikum. Good to see you. Hey, hey, Mama Namat. Um, uh, an individual, a child, excuse me, has to develop survival-like skills in order to be able to survive in relationships, right? So if you're not, if you do not, from a very early stage, if you do not have um, an, uh, an initial experience of connection, you do not learn how to properly bond or connect, then you have to develop survival skills in the realm to replace those sort of um, interpersonal connection skills. 
And those sort of survival skills are typically very unhealthy. Um, any type of survival skills are, are re really going to be very self-serving and it's really about survival. So typically that does involve manipulation, that does involve um, <clears throat> alternate, alternative personality sort of traits that are born in order to navigate um, relationships with other people. So we'll break that down into a minute, but I did want to mention when an individual reach sort of adolescence, <clears throat> this is the time in which a person should typically develop this idea of like planning for the future, the ability to make like have decision making um, um, capabilities. So like you're kind of planning long term, you're making decisions that will adequately impact or affect sound like everybody affect your future, right? Um, so in the realm of um, when you're in the stage of adolescence, people are sort of developing these skills, they have more standards, they're developing beliefs, problem solving knowledge, if you're adequately developing through this stage. But remember, a lot of people experience traumas or stunts very early on in their developmental stages. So if you're at the stage of being stunted at one to three, where you're actually learning how to recognize emotions and manage emotions, then you're not even gonna get to this area of development where you're now able to plan for your future and make adequate decisions and you have like strong sense of morality and all these sort of things that are being solidified. So what are some of the signs or running some of the reasons why cheating plays a big role in these silico pattern type relationships and these trauma bonded relationships um, and these relationships with individuals who are emotionally stunted. And one of the biggest reasons is lack of self-worth, lack of self-identity and lack of and low self-esteem. So when we talk about our hierarchy of needs, we our esteem needs come a little bit later on on the hierarchy. So typically a person's survival needs have to be intact a person's safety needs typically have to be intact and a person's belonging needs, right, have to be intact before you can get to a sense of like esteem needs where a person has a good sense of self-identity, self-esteem, self-worth. So a person who's emotionally stunted probably has a lot of unmet needs in the realm of survival, safety, etc. They're going to struggle with low self-esteem. And remember, an individual who has not adequately emotionally matured, they're going to be struggling in the realm of connection they're going to be struggling in the realm of like accountability or even just like understanding that uh, you know challenging things occur and how to like a, like I told you before how to exude grit how to apply that to sort of self improvement and so that's going to affect how a person feels about themselves so it's going to affect their self-esteem so and a lot of individuals who are struggling right and they're attempting to survive at the end of the day they may look for external sources to sort of offset that low self-esteem. So people typically look for <coughs> sources outside of themselves to sort of make them feel, feel better, to sort of revalidate their self-worth. And one of the more immature ways of going about doing that is cheating. So even if you find yourself in a relationship space, you're in a marriage, you're in a union, you're in a connection, you still, an individual who's struggling in this area still may be looking for external or multitude of sources to make themselves feel good, to make their, to boost their self-esteem. And remember, their sense of um, self is attached to external sources, which means they have to constantly, constantly seek 
supply externally. This cannot be filled within. They don't quite have it within themselves, so they need it externally. So what does that mean? That means that they are going to be constantly on the hunt for external validation and external boost to their self-esteem. And that could be um, result in someone being like a repetitive cheater. And, you know, one of the things I've found just as a coach and I coach, coach a multitude of people and, you know, I, I deal with this, <laughs> this thing of infidelity and cheating quite often in the Muslim community is a little bit too common. But what I'm finding that's <clears throat> more common in the community is that <clears throat> perhaps people, perhaps people in the Muslim community is, I'm not, is, is more common that people are engaging in cheating-like behaviors. Like they're <clears throat> operating on the realm or on the cusp of infidelity and cheating. Like for example, social media is a big, 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 big area of concern where perhaps there is some sort of form of extracting external validation from DM chats and, you know, liking photos and comments and all these sort of like inappropriate exchanges. People are doing that and they're able to kind of like find a way to like offset blame or guilt or justify it because it's like they don't, you know, maybe they don't consider it cheating, right? Um, dating apps or, or, or other sort of forms of apps, people are engaging a lot in that. And so that's sort of the spaces in which people are sort of accessing a, a plethora of external validation and it's still considered like a violation to their relationship but again it's not like they're not having like these blatant out, out out affairs you know what i mean so it's like they're teetering on the cusp they're still being inappropriate it's still pretty much cheating they're hiding it from their spouses their spouses don't know what's happening but this is sort of how they're extracting and boosting up their low self-esteem and self-worth <clears throat> so that's a big 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 why okay another reason why um especially when you're in dealing with like not just an emotionally stunted partner but you're dealing with a partner that may be struggling with uh, alternative negative personality traits in order to offset um some of their childhood experiences childhood traumas the early experiences that has contributed to their emotional stunt they now have more narcissistic or harmful, unhealthy, toxic personality traits. Again, this is all about survival. This is all about survival. And so one of the reasons is, is to maintain control. So they may exhibit cheating-like behaviors in order to maintain control. They need to stay in control. They need to, like, it's almost like, I'm gonna get you before you get me. It, it also keeps them emotionally distant, emotionally disconnected from the source of where the fear of abandonment can occur, right? So if they are in a relationship with a partner and there is an, it's even the slightest opportunity for them to be vulnerable, for them to be hurt, for them to be abandoned, they may use cheating or infidelity as a means of staying in control, staying emotionally dominant in this situation. And there's this harmful idea that a lot of them construct is that the one who stays, um, like um, the one who loves the most is like sort of the weakest in that relationship, right? The one that the one who holds the power is the one that loves the less, right? So that's or lo loves the least, right? So that's sort of the idea. So maintaining control is a really, really big part. And it's, it's maintaining emotional control is a huge big part of the reason why many of these individuals cheat. Okay. 
Another big reason, like we talked about, I kept emphasizing, overemphasizing a person who's struggling with emotional maturity has a difficult time with accountability. They have a very, very, very difficult time with not playing the victim, with not blaming other people always for their issues. So it is very easy for them to offset the guilt of cheating or being unfaithful or even blaming their spouse for them having to cheat as it relates to because again that sense of like i'm not really accountable so it's, it's always someone else's fault for the problems and issues that occur in their life that is a huge sign of someone who's emotionally stunted they're emotionally underdeveloped but again this causes a person to justify cheating right and also to blame shift cheating and that's why you find it really common uh, across um, amongst uh, people who are emotionally stunted and especially in these trauma bonded relationships and these silical narcissistic bonded type of um, unions where it's very easy to justify cheating because again nothing is ever their fault they're not accountable for anything someone has always done something to them so that's another really <clears throat> real reason this, this the next reason i would say which is a huge huge reason is the idea of being addicted to drama, addicted to dysfunction, addicted to the highs and lows, like that drive to have that constant adrenaline rush, the upheavals of being in a state of dysfunction and confusion. You have to understand that a person who's existed in this space or is trying to pull you into a relationship, bond with you from a place of trauma, they have very repetitive early experiences as it relates to dysfunction, as it relates to trauma, as it relates to emotional upheavals. So there is a bit of an addiction to it, right? Imagine being in a relationship with a super healthy, calm, peaceful partner that just, you know what I mean, that doesn't have a lot going on. There's not a lot of drama and chaos. That individual who's struggling with that emotional stunt and not just that with some of those really harmful, unhealthy traits, that's going to be very boring. That, that's, that's just not going to, it's not going to do it for them, right? They're going to need the constant highs and lows in order to stay engaged, right? That adrenaline rush <clears throat> where there is uncertainty there is a feeling of a adrenaline rush that occurs, right? So imagine if you've ever been in a trauma-bonded relationship or if you've ever been in a relationship with someone who has these sort of like narcissistic personality traits, one of the big common themes is that you often feel very confused, right? There's a lot of uncertainty all the time, right? You often don't know what's happening or what's going on. And that results, like what the, what happens is that neurologically there is an imbalance there, right? There's an upheaval within you. You are feeling the highs and lows, right? There's anxiety present, like you're not stabilized. And so this person is just, that's just a normal state of being for them. So again, if there's everything is peaceful and everything is cool, cheating and the thrill of cheating and the thrill of even the excitement of like the mystery and the sneaking and the hiding and the lying and the manipulation and the gaslighting and the deception all of that chaos and dysfunction is where that individual feel like they can best thrive they can maintain control this is normal for them so that's another really strong reason why cheating it, it, in some cases like almost like must occur because i have to keep the chaos going and the more the healthier <laughs> the healthier or the more stabilized the partner that they're trying to trauma bond with and typically individuals who are like i said struggling with narcissistic narcissistic traits they're typically are they're going to be drawn into partners 
that are um, like people pleasers, you know what I mean? These are not super drama filled people. They're not typically drawn into those type of individuals. They're typically drawn into, you know, calm people pleasers, codependent. So um, they're not going to be typically satisfied with those type of personality traits. It's just not enough. It's not enough up and down upheaval drama. So they have to constantly create that. And cheating is a big way. It's a big thrill because again, I can create a whole bunch of chaos and uncertainty and I could have you wondering and I can have you checking my phone and I can have like you know what I mean I get to gaslight I get to manipulate and I get to kind of stay dominant on and on type and on top in that type of cycle right subhanallah this is that's a very important thing to notate and understand and it I think the more individuals or victims or people who have been in this cycle understand it the more I think the more you can work towards your process of unattaching yourself to that type of behavior because it's not really about you it's about it's all about that individual's dysfunction and their um trauma right it has very little to do what you did do or didn't do or it has very little to do with any of that right it's all to do with a person's addiction to drama and trauma yeah sheesh right it's a lot right um the other reason, which is a pretty, you know, um, sort of um, obvious one is this idea, like I mentioned, the emotionally stunted individual is um, very self-absorbed. Like, again, they haven't made it past the me stage in development. Most individuals who are struggling with this, so they're really about self. So as you can think or imagine when you're, you know, cheating and all of that is very self-serving. So a person who's really self-absorbed, they really are not operating in the space of empathy often um they're operating more from a very nafsi very lower desire very me very selfish space so often like like you said that impulse comes into play what i want i'm just gonna get it it's really about like just filling my needs filling my cup and so you know like i said cheating just becomes a part of that sort of package and deal alhamdulillah wow i am so understanding why i made the mistake of getting into a relationship like that so understand why <laughs> yeah and you know diana subhanallah like i mean it's you know it's, it's it's all about us being aware you know what i mean it's all about us being aware sometimes we're not really aware of what even puts us in a space or draws us in and i think one of the big areas that i find when i help support individuals on the other side or navigating through this cycle or out of this cycle is that they often feel really puzzled about the cheating part, right? It, it becomes something that really destroys a lot of individuals because when, when we look at the narcissistic cycle in particular, if that's a particular cycle, there is a devaluing stage and there's a discard stage. And a lot of times in the discard stage is where sometimes people get to they experience being replaced by a new supply or they get to that's when they typically find out about this new supply or things become exposed etc cetera, etc cetera. and when i say new supply i mean like the person who they're cheating on with but again in a narcissistic cycle it's all about supply because again they're they're just trying to like meet their needs it's not really about making connections they're they have a they do not have the capability to connect okay so it's again it's all about survival for them um, and so, um, so there, there's a, often a big confusion about this and there's a lot of like, this destroys people. It really, I've, I've seen a lot of people like ending up in like psychiatric wards and just everything be just because of, 
how d difficult it is to sort of wrap their head around the level of like manipulation and the why behind like um often have to coach people through this whole idea of like um you know like why her and like you know what was it about her or you know all these sort of things where it's really just has nothing to do with her you or anything like that and and likewise on the man's side um it has everything to do with this dysfunctional person who's really again that it's it's all about survival for them so um so i wanted to just again um just kind of break that down really quickly this is not an easy conversation to have but it's a necessary one and one of the things i have to just say this i have to just say this subhanallah i touched on it briefly and i said i didn't want to really touch on it without unpacking this properly but in the Muslim community specifically, we there is a, a huge concern that I have as it relates to the justification of infidelity, cheating, and the discard phase in a narcissistic cycle. So again, I often I said this before, and I stand by it, even though it's an um, you know maybe not the most pleasant thing to say or state, but I stand by it that um, Islam and our faith. Um, is often attractive to certain individuals that struggle with narcissistic traits because they believe that they can more easily navigate bond with individuals because of in some communities not all in some communities the marriage process is a bit simplified um bond with individuals quite quickly go through the narcissistic cycle and ex and exude and and sort of the dynamic between if we're talking about the male narcissist just for a minute okay i don't want to make it seem like it's only men because it's definitely female narcissists and that is going to be unpacked later but i need to just address this so specifically for the male narcissist this idea of polygyny which is a very beautiful sunnah and practice but it is often used by individuals engaged in this cycle and as a means to justify this cheating and this uh, 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 trying to obtain a multitude of supply as well as an attempt to extract um ooh, like dominate other people right so it's not just i'm engaging and getting another obtaining another wife but i'm also like totally breaking down my first initial spouse like i'm totally existing in this devaluing stage and then i'm going through a discard stage but i'm totally calling it polygyny nobody better not dare tell me i can't because they're going against islam right you see this often and the women often find themselves feeling really destroyed and really confused and really like well is this really the dean or is this really what i should be feeling and it's not and it's not right and so that has to be stated because it's a problem it's a problem and this is not me coming at any sunnah this is not me uh coming at polygyny lord knows i'm not doing that but i am coming after this silical harmful pattern that's being um um hidden under the guise of something as beautiful as a sunnah that was meant to empower and to protect the vulnerable in the community i have a huge issue with that i have a huge issue with that and there are a lot of people finding themselves destroyed and not just that because it's not just on one-sided here there are a lot of 
female women narcissists who are also exuding and, and, and um, exhibiting their traits by ex inserting themselves or engaging in constant polygynous marriages, et cetera, et cetera, right? That's also there, right? That's also present. Again, under the innocent justification that I'm following the sunnah, it's a problem. And until we collectively, I'm going to look at your comments, but I don't want to lose my train of thought. So just excuse me. But until we collectively, collectively able to, first of all, understand our deen from a place of really falling back in love with the sirah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Don't bark at me or at us about some hadiths that hasn't really been unpacked and this and that, we don't, you know, the chain and all of that isn't clearly unpacked. I'm talking about falling in love with the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the way that he existed, his character, his heart, the way that he connected human to human, the way that he treated his fellow human being, the way that he existed as a husband, the way that he exuded love and patience with his wives. I'm talking about falling in love with that first, understanding and unpacking that first. That needs to be done. And that way, people can adequately differentiate what is actually the sunnah versus what is straight up, downright, low down, dirty abuse. And like being able to call a spade a spade without flinching. Like that's where we're at right now because it's existing in our communities and it's specific in the black Muslim community and it's a problem and it is resulted down and it, it is related to the trauma that we've experienced as black people here in this country. And a lot of it has more to do with our trauma responses that we respond from a place of our trauma by getting having a multitude of people to make us feel good about ourselves because we were brought here and exploited here in this country. Our sense of self, our, our identity, where we come from, who we are. Our, our self-worth was has been under attack since we've been here. So how we cope, how we survive is trying to get a multitude of external sources to make us feel uh, to make us feel better. And we exist like that in our marriages in Islam, and we want to make it like it's okay. No, you're abusing people and you're using Islam to do it. My tangent. I know I need to go all the way back, but I had to say that. I've been holding that for a, a minute now. I've been holding that in for a minute. Mm. I'm, I'm, I didn't, mm, I must have been talking a while. I ain't see none of this. Okay. Whew. Is a spouse who doesn't want you to use social media or chat or like comments of the opposite sex, is it because of potential cheating or is it extreme mistrust? Mm. Um, I would definitely say like the social media thing. Whew. Whew. <laughs> That's a little trigger topic for me. But I would say that that is a completely a choice. I think that these are those type of agreements and conversations that must be had during the courting phase, right? And this is something that two individuals can kind of come to an agreement about based on your own comfort level. Now, I would just say that if you have particular boundaries or certain things that violate maybe your sense of safety, again, nobody can't dictate to you, right? Nobody can't dictate to you based on your early experiences, what may violate your sense of safety. <clears throat> of course, all of our unmet needs are our responsibility. We can't project that out. But at the same time, if you're really clear that you need boundaries around areas in which you've been violated with in the past, that's just maybe something that you need in order to be safe and exist in a loving, voluntary space. I think there's nothing wrong with that. So as long as you set that boundary, you clearly communicate what that is and a person is in agreement with it, you can move forward. But if a person's trying to get you to like 
you know, like not have any boundaries or have lax boundaries because they want to do what they want to do. No, no, uh-uh. That's you don't have to do that, right? Set loving, clear, healthy boundaries, and when people and, and, and make sure there's an agreement there, right? And when people violate. <clears throat> that then there, there's consequences to be had. But again, there's don't have people making you feel like you're insecure and things like that because you want to create a culture of respect. Like, we're not doing that. It's not Islamic. Sad state of affairs. It's the truth. Intentionally destroying families, wanting to take the wife's place, not join for a better cause. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, a lot of this has to do with a silical pattern, trauma-bonded relationship. A lot of it has to do with that, Imani. So you're dead on with that. Alhamdulillah. Sister harming other sisters by going for another sister's mate. Yeah, and like I said, it's all about the manner in which we navigate these unions and ultimately, like, what are we seeking, right? What are we seeking? A lot of people are seeking to feel validated. A lot of people are seeking their self-worth. And some people have such a deeply rooted insecurity and have such a trauma as it relates to um, connection and bonding and some of their primal needs were exploited um, that they have to go the extra mile to in order to feel okay, in order to feel worthy, in order to feel dominant or in control. They have to violate somebody else. They have to hurt somebody else. They have to see somebody else destroyed in order for them to feel like something. That's someone who's really, really suffer, suffering internally. But a lot of us, unfortunately, due to circumstances and experiences, we exist that way and we harm other people. But ultimately, like I said, most people, they're they're, they're, they're trying to fill these voids and they're going about it in ways which violate other people. May Allah bless you for your stand firm for justice, truth, even if it's against yourself. It takes courage. Yeah, Sister Nimat. I mean, Jazakallah Khaidun, first and foremost. I, I know guns are going to be blazing. Like whenever I bring this up, whenever I talk, that's why I like, I avoided like the Black Plague because then I start to get threats. I, it's so, that's how you know this thing is sick because when I start to discuss this stuff and when I go a little bit too deep or it gets a little bit too uncomfortable to the truth or it perhaps may interrupt the status quo, um, that's when people want to like threaten me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, or try to make it seem like, you know, you know, like we're going to, I mean, people have said really nasty, mean stuff to me. And it's usually always when I talk about polygyny or when I really start to get deep into this like narcissistic crap. Again, people don't want you to interrupt the status quo. People don't want you to be informed. People want to continue doing the harmful stuff because it serves them, right? People don't people people don't want you to be like questioning or taking a moment like, wait a minute, is this the sumna or is this abuse? Like, you know, people don't want you to do that, right? But this is the the stuff we have to do. And we have a responsibility. Like I said, if we, we, if we become into awareness, if Allah blesses us with awareness, now we're responsible and we're going to be held accountable for it. So that's just that's just the amana. That's the responsibility. You're speaking well, sister. The Most High is extremely pleased with your work. Jazakallah. Help break into cycles and understand the trauma within us each and every day. Jazakallah, Jazakallah. Most of that isn't even our stuff. It's just vomiting in our lap, unfortunately. You're so right about that. SubhanAllah. 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 So when we are talking and unpacking this, my dear brothers and sisters, when we're talking and we're unpacking this, <clears throat> we're really speaking about individuals 
right? Who are navigating early childhood attachment trauma, right? And I always say like, for me, I don't just like to talk about the issue. You know what I mean? Like we, we see it. Everybody, especially if you're in community, you see what's happening. You see what has occurred. We could talk about the problems all day. But I'm like, until we're willing to go deeper, we're never going to actually solve this problem. We're never going to solve this problem because we talk about the issue. We make people bad guys and good guys. And that's it. Right. And we have these emotionally charged discussions rather than coming from a space where let's really adequately unpack it. Because one of the things I've found is, is that a lot of us as a community, a lot of us individually, many of us are really struggling. Like there's really there hasn't been um, um, a lot of support and resources offered to us collectively as a community to sort of deal with this sort of communal issues right like the fact of like unpacking the trauma around womanizing in the black community who has really done that i mean you know what i mean like like collectively where like where you're really understanding this stuff or really unpacking the you know the narcissistic muslim woman like who's really been willing to go deep with that the early childhood attachment trauma the sexually exploited child and how how they sort of show up now in unions and relationships and in community right and like really making these connections where ultimately there are resources and support for the community we're not making people bad guys it's not good guys versus the bad guys i that's at least not this lens in which i'm coming from so i wanted to sort of <clears throat> talk a little bit about for a quick second, and this helps unpack this whole like cheating concept and, and these individuals that are engaged with this, it's the individual who is not properly attached or bonded um, in, in the very, very early childhood. And so these individuals, they develop in um, attachment trauma, right? They're, they haven't adequately bonded to their caregivers and they develop survival skills around it. So these individuals, rather than being able to have normal connection skills, they actually have more uh, self-protecting survival skills that they've been able to develop. And so they, instead of learning <clears throat> connection, they learn a barter system as it relates to relationships. So they learn more transaction. If I do this, I get that. That's sort of the space that they're able to operate from, a barter system, an exchange system. And that's the, the closest space that those individuals can get to actual connection, right? And so in the absence of connection, what's happening, and, and this is really important because a lot of us actually don't know how to connect as it relates to early experiences. You actually have to develop the skill of connection. You actually have to have the experience of early bonding to be able to have like connection skills in order to be able to connect person or individual to individual. So some people, they actually exist and operate and they even go from relationship to relationship and are not never connecting, they're transacting, they're bartering, right? And so this is really important to understand. So typically people who are um, um, uh, repeated, repeated, repeated cheaters, they are involved in the barter system as it relates to relationships. They're transactional, very transactional, right? Not fully developed in a normal connection. All right. So when you talk about self-protecting survival skills that a child develops very early on as a relates as a result of early childhood 
um, attachment trauma, you're talking about manipulation. So always say manipulation is about survival. A person who manipulates is attempting, they're probably operating from a space of having an unmet need. A person who constantly manipulates has unmet needs in the realm of survival, okay? Because manipulation is often about survival. I have to manipulate an environment. I have to manipulate a situation. I have to manipulate a person in order to survive, right? In order to dominate, in order to stay in control. Um, and so that's really important to understand that people often develop that as a as a means to self-protect, to protect themselves. So they're manipulating and gaslighting you. There is a realm of like sort of attempt a, attempting to protect their the, the, their own selves, right? From being hurt, harmed. Again, they only know pain and hurt as it relates to bonding, as it relates to connection, as it relates to that, that interpersonal space. So I have to really manipulate to be able to extract what I want, right? What I want, right? I can't exist where I'm connecting and I'm vulnerable and I'm exposed. I can't operate from that space, right? Because that has not... I have not had any early experience where that has served me or I have not had any early experiences with that in, uh, in general. Um, <clears throat> so this individual has not matured through the stages of development. So think about it. When a child is between the ages of like birth to one years old, that's when they actually are noticing emotions. That's where they actually are noticing different emotions from their caregivers, et cetera, et cetera. So if they haven't had that early experience of even being able to notice emotions, they're going to lack empathy. And again, that accountability in later stages of life. So then it becomes a lot easier to cheat and not really feel anything about the harm that you caused to your partner, right? You have not even made it past that very, very early stage of emotional development. Then what happens after that is that typically a child learns how to manage their own emotions. Um, then that happens very early on, like to the stages of two, three, four, um, where they're learning actually how to manage their emotions. Remember, the emotionally stunted, the person who has the very early experience of lack of bonding, lack of attachment, lack of connection, they're not even getting to the realm of being able to manage their own emotions. So again, you're in a space where you're not able to express, you're not able to emote, you're not able to experience in an, any of that in an intimate relationship space. So now in order for me to even feel anything, I have to constantly, again, have these sort of external, uh, constant stimulating uh, situations or affairs in order to feel anything. Again, I'm not managing my emotions. I'm not in tune with my emotions. I'm not aware of my emotions. I'm very limited in my repertoire of emotions. So that's sort of very important to unpack, especially, and really I'm describing the individual that's struggling with narcissistic personality traits. That's typically the unpacking of those type of individuals. <clears throat> Imam Amin always says people don't listen to understand. They listen to defend their beliefs, limited beliefs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I always say this, all of this stuff stems from our core beliefs about ourselves, what we truly believe about ourselves. And many of us do have limited beliefs as it relates to ourselves. So we operate from that space for sure. Healthy support is needed. Keep knocking faucets, brains out. Yes, everybody involved needs healing. May Allah bless us as a healing communion to be an example. Allahumma ameen. Allahumma ameen. And I just want to say, because I, I am very humbled by the amount of individuals who are not 
Muslim who watched Adult Muslim Woman podcast and they actually reach out to me and, and they come to me for coaching and all of that. And and I'm I'm very humbled by that because, you know, subhanAllah, like I said, Islam does offer such a solution as it relates. Like I said, healing for us is more so like to soul. It's about like purification of self. We actually have sciences and our deen as it relates to like that purification piece. And that's the 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 nitty gritty of what we call modern day healing. If you want to use that term that gets overused and abused, but it's really about purification of self, really working on yourself, that internal stuff, cleaning it all up so that ultimately we can worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the absence of, of any other ilahs, any other false gods that we sort of create, even if those false gods are our lower desires. <clears throat> We can't fix what we don't acknowledge, especially when we're dealing with a right fighter. Yeah, subhanAllah. I don't like being in survival mode. I lose compassion. Survival mode is mean-spirited, just my opinion. Yeah. So, survival mode is very self-serving. Um, I was just, you know, me and my mom, we were just talking about that. And I was like, because she was, you know, I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this. But she was saying, um, we were talking about particular situations. And she was like, Sabria, I'm, I'm just still trying to understand why. Like, why do these people do this? Like, why? I think we were actually talking about infidelity, like the, the, the sort of really cold-hearted type of like infidelity and cheating that sometimes can occur in these bonds. And she's like, I just don't understand why. And I'm like, Umi, you know, when people are operating from a space of survival, you have to, I say, and that's how we begin to depersonalize ourselves from this stuff. Because if we sit here and ask why and kill ourselves and why did this occur and why did they do this to me? I was a good person and I, I love them and et cetera, et cetera. We are really going to ultimately destroy ourselves. When a person is operating from a space of survival, they can't even tap into the parts of their brain that operate around empathy, that operate around like being able to like, like I said, connection isn't there. They're in survival. You're not considering other people or how your actions are affecting other people. You're just surviving. You are surviving. It's fight or flight all the time. It is, you know, kill or be killed. That's the space. And when people are really struggling with these unhealthy personality traits, they're just surviving. That's why it is so important as a community, as black people in particular, that you are very conscious. Are my survival needs, have I met my survival needs? And more importantly, were my survival needs violated or exploited or unmet in early years? And am I still, as a byproduct of that, operating from a space of survival? Am I still seeking for my survival needs to be met? Am I still mentally seeking it? Even though maybe realistically all my survival needs are intact. But mentally, I'm still in survival mode because that's the space I came from and that stuff was never healed. So I'm still in survival mode. I'm still constantly in fight or flight. We have to constantly ask ourselves that and analyze that because if we're operating from that space, nine times out of 10, we're, we're, we're causing harm. We're causing harm in some realm, in some area. And even if it's self-inflicted, and so that's very, very, very important. But a lot of these situations <clears throat> where people are constantly cheating, <clears throat> I don't know what's going on in my throat, they're operating from a space of survival. And I, it is, it is my prayer, it is my prayer that we continuously work on this issue and that we're not afraid 
to really directly address the issues that are existing in our community as it relates to this. There are too many trauma-bonded situations that are being justified under the guise of Islam. You know, these in-and-out marriages. Um, super easy to discard somebody and replace them. Um, justified to the whole nine when you're pulling people into a cyclical pattern of abuse. And as a person who deals with the recovery of individuals with this, I'm going to tell you that the recovery is intense. Individuals are experiencing PTSD, post-traumatic syndrome. They are experiencing night sweats, anxiety. They don't quite understand how to put their lives back together. I talk to many people, many people that are constantly fighting thoughts of suicide and it's all as they're making their ways out of these sort of silical unhealthy bonded relationships this is nothing to be played with this is nothing small this is something just as important as it is if we fight against oppression we fight against uh, drugs in our communities we fight against you know people being physically harmed with childhood sexual abuse we need to fight these sort of unhealthy harmful relationships because they literally do destroy people and until we're willing to really sit down as a community and say hey we need to sort of be able to like i said it's really important for us to be able to differentiate what is a sunnah practice or a, a relationship based on the sunnah of rasulullah versus a very unhealthy cycle and pattern that is existing in the community and so Again, I just can't stress this enough because it's just what I deal with on a day-to-day -day and I am I'm, I'm, I'm here to put my head on the chopping board to advocate for um, individuals who are navigating this that don't quite have the voice to speak out against what is occurring and, and like I said, very often, okay? This was very insightful to me. Really needs to be intentional how I connect with my children. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for bringing that up because for me, that's the space. Like I said, for us, subhanAllah, that's what this is all about for me. That's what this is all about for me is about the, the next generation. It is the fact that I completely understand generational patterns. I completely understand that when, um, and, I, and I hope I don't get emotional, but I completely understand that when, you know, as a caregiver, my children are going to make a choice as it relates to the behavioral patterns, as it relates to the generational patterns that they have received from me. They're either going to subconsciously repeat that pattern or they're going to sort of de deflect or try to make a different choice to do something different. Both T typically, you know, for unhealthy patterns, they both usually are don't end up good for our kids. And so we have to be really important about, excuse me, really intentional about making sure that their primal needs have been met, that we are meeting them, make sure that their survival needs are intact as much as we can control. 
that they that they have a very strong sense of safety that we at least solidify that they are safe that we are consistent parents our actions match our words that they can trust what we say that we're reliable to them that they feel safe and secure not only that it is really important because i was just talking about the stages of emotional development with our kids that when they learn to uh, experience or uh, look at emotions that we're modeling how you process emotions adequately if you're only operating from a space of anger and rage every time something occurs or every time something happens where you're not modeling you're not allowing them to actually visualize and experience the repertoire of emotions so they're going to have a very limited palette as it relates to emotions not only that when they learn how to manage their emotions they have to be validated you have to validate your children very early on and this is very important for black families because we think we got to be stern and we got to make sure that they do what they're supposed to do and we can't let them you know we can't let our kids you know think that they you know got one up us or whatever these really dysfunctional harmful things that we were raised on no validate your kids emotions allow them to freely express encourage them to express and then validate them it has to be validated in order for that stage to be solidified as it relates to managing their emotions you have to validate your children or they will grow up seeking validation or they will grow up like void in the realm of their own sense of identity and self-worth don't allow that pattern to be repeated we had to deal with that man because that's just the error of what we were raised like that's just how we were raised wasn't a lot of validation in our homes like it wasn't a lot of time for that it was extension cords and bats you know what i'm saying and, twitch and switches and stuff you know what i'm saying so like that's like we have to be intentional about creating a shift as it relates to our children and so if it's nothing else, if it's nothing else, we learn to be more intentional with our kids because we can't afford to have another generational, excuse me, generation of individuals who are navigating such extensive childhood trauma that they're existing in intimate relationships where they're just exploiting one another. They're just manipulating and gaslighting and cheating and they're just confused and lost because they're seeking to have their voids met. No, 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 no. We have to give them something different. We have to be intentional because we're aware. And that's just the bottom line with this, right? Inshallah, inshallah ta'ala. And that's why I will never stop, or inshallah, I will never stop working with kids in my profession. Despite this work and everything else I do with adults i will never stop because it's so important and every time i see an adult even in my sometimes adult relationships i'm like man you could have benefited from a behavioral therapist when you were young like we could have fixed this crap you know if you would have had someone to help you sort of turn some of this mess around forgive me for my tangent subhanallah <sighs> in most cases children learn with the with with the live in adulthood what they learned we have to break the cycle yeah you have to be really intentional boys cry period yes 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 man so y'all gonna i don't know y'all really pulling this out of me but man you guys know i told you guys many times that i work with boys i only have Allah only blessed me to produce daughters so i only have i have three daughters but and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it so that it just happens all the time. And I get my caseload, it's like all always boys. And so I always say like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very intentional about that. But um, allow me to experience that. But one thing I want to say as it relates to our boys, man, our boys, we, we, we did a number. We did a number on um, 
our boys as mother. My, I, I, I hold... I hold a lot of mothers accountable, but I do know it's it was it was a collective sort of thing that happened. But I'm talking about like my generation, like and the generation ahead of me. We did a number on black boys because not only did we tell them that they couldn't cry and they couldn't express, and this is what manhood is. We, like I said, it was this 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 relationship between mom and son that existed in a lot of black homes. That that that's why we experience a lot and a lot of junk in our marriages, sisters. And I'm just being honest with you. And it's and it has a lot to do with the relationship that between black mothers and their sons, right? Where they made their sons their emotional husbands, or they made their sons emotionally responsible for the pain and trauma that they experienced from their fathers. Like that has caused a lot of issues as it relates to the development of black men. And that is very something very serious to unpack just as serious as it is as it relates to the relationship between fathers and their daughters and the black community and the absence of the fathers and their and their daughters lives and what that sort of produced like far as the loss of femininity in black women, right? Because they didn't have a father to receive from. The father teaches the daughter how to receive. The father solidifies the femininity in the daughter. So the absence, the physical absence of the father really harmed and created an era of women who don't even know how to be women. They don't really know how to exist in that feminine energy space. And that is the stuff that we have to collectively correct now, right? And be intentional about shifting. But yeah, like we we, we definitely got to do something different. All right, y'all. I'm about to go to bed. And I need to get up off of here. I wonder if the whippings we practiced was a crossover from slavery whippings. For sure. For sure, Nimat. For sure, there's a correlation. And it has caused massive harm. It really... Because those whippings in that era of just like punish, 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 it did not offer children or us the ability to have our primal needs met. That's why we have generation of people who are struggling in their intimate relationships because they're still seeking their primal needs to be met the needs that should have been met in childhood. You're still seeking that from your intimate partner and it doesn't work that way. You I, you end up destroying another person, right? By, by means of seeking your primal needs to be met and as an adult and you can't meet your needs. A person externally can't meet those early needs. You have to meet them for yourself. You have to solidify them for yourself. And so it's, it's, it's 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 a challenge so may Allah make it easy may Allah make it easy may Allah help us may Allah guide us may Allah strengthen us may Allah allow us to be really self-aware uh, may Allah forgive me for anything that I said may you forgive me for anything that I said that was a little bit too emotional that wasn't balanced enough I try my best to make sure that I'm really in a, in a in a good state before I deliver to you. But some of this stuff just means so much to me. I deal with a lot of broken hearts every day. I coach every day and I deal with a lot of broken hearts. And sometimes, sometimes it gets the best of me. Sometimes it gets the best of me. And when I'm able to for sort of kind of put some of these patterns together, I have to sort of speak on it. But forgive me if some of it was a little bit too much. 
Um, may Allah make it easy on each and every one of us. May he allow us to exist in a space where we are honest and with ourselves, where we are authentic with ourselves, where we are living truth to power. Ya Allah, please rectify our condition. Ya Allah, we ask that you rectify our condition, that you purify our hearts and our states, and that you allow us that you allow us to be in a good state with you, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, we're not attempting, we're not attempting to do anything but seek your pleasure and seek your closeness, Ya Rabbil Alameen. So Ya Allah, please rectify our affairs and purify our people and, and allow us to find the means to correct the wrongs that have been done to us collectively as a community. We know that you gave us the means and the tools and the resources and the knowledge, Ya Rabbil Alameen. So we ask that you allow us to have the strength and the courage to put it into implementation in our lives. Allahumma Amin. Jazakallah khairan. I hope you guys have a wonderful night. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.